Welcome to premium episode four of the Wet Wired podcast. David Avocado Wolf, the most successful hippie in the world. I'm Sean Andes. And I'm Julian Paul Butt. Deep in the crunchy cacao center of self-proclaimed health and superfood gurus, flat earth believers, and COVID-19 deniers, sits the springy-haired imp known as David Avocado Wolf. His friends think of him as the rock star and Indiana Jones of the superfoods and longevity multiverse. The rest of us might know him from his prolific Facebook presence, where he assaults his nearly 12 million followers with clickbait articles that make Taboola look like academic research. You may know him from Instagram, where he mixes feel-good posts about having your best day ever and the resonance of hyper-synchronicity with support for the trucker convoys and anti-vaccine protests. You'll also see him promoting his online group detox and cleansing seminars, his personal line of nutritional supplements, and advertising for the Black Sheep Summit, where attendees will learn both about off-the-grid survival and how to get rich with cryptocurrency. But avocado isn't all clickbait, hypersynchronicity, and cleanses. If you're an especially rabid fan, you'll be familiar with his Telegram channel, too. There, he delights his over 110,000 followers with Trump fan art, claims that ivermectin might cure cancer, and posts about how George Soros is secretly running an international cabal that controls the news, child trafficking, the internet, and all pornography. (laughs) God. The Green Machine. What does Avocado want people to think of him? David Avocado Wolf has carved out a niche for himself since the 90s as an expert in crunchy ideas within circles from Whole Foods shoppers to off-the-grid hippies. Much of his earlier career focused on nutrition and vaguely spiritual self-help. He pushed and still pushes all the granola standards like organic, raw, and superfoods, veganism, though he's vegetarian now, positivity, a focus on nature and the outdoors, and alternative medicine and health practices. He even looks like he bought his entire wardrobe from a Santa Fe Curios shop. He, he is clothed head to toe in hemp every time I see him. <laughs> Wolf promotes the image of himself as an alternative expert in seminars, books, and social media. David's said that he's the world's wealthiest hippie. He claims to be a health, eco, nutrition, and natural beauty expert. In a TED Talk in 2010, he introduced himself as a renegade nutritionist, renegade superfoodist, infopreneur, and gastronaut. (laughs) Wolf claimed, I have degrees in mechanical and environmental engineering and political science. I have studied at many different institutions, including Oxford University. I concluded my formal education with a law degree from the University of San Diego. San Diego, I know, Sean. I know. University of San Diego. This is ridiculous. (laughs) He aspires to be a D-list celebrity. He absolutely aspires to be a D-list celebrity. (laughs) The guy's sights are so low when it comes to the the sort of fame that he's after. (laughs) He wants to – not even – I mean a D-list celebrity, if like a a famous social media influencer is a D-list celebrity. Yeah. That's what he – that's all he wants to be. He just wants to be popular online. I imagine all the people who say that they're Instagram models. He takes every opportunity to mention his close friendships with Woody Harrelson and Novak Djokovic. So you're saying he's a name dropper? All the time a name dropper. Every interview, several times per interview. He even claims that Tony Robbins is a fan. And he reminded me of Napoleon Hill in how Napoleon Hill dropped names, but Napoleon Hill 
totally didn't know those people who we dropped names. Right. So when I saw claims of famous people who were supposedly fans of him, my immediate response was, no fucking way. Turns out he's actually pretty tight with Woody and Novak. Uh, he, he gives Djokovic nutrition advice and they go way back as friends. For those listeners who don't know, who don't follow tennis... You might know him from the news as the person that was refused entry into the nation of Australia because he refused the COVID vaccine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with Woody, they were neighbors in Hawaii decades back. And apparently they've been two peas in a pod since then. Yeah, you can find plenty of pictures of the two of them on Instagram or other places just bro loving each other or posting to each other's pages and whatnot. Yeah. Wolf was even a judge on a reality TV show called Mad Mad House. In this one season 2004 show, contestants are in a house with judges who all have unusual personas. That's the whole angle of the show. That's the whole shtick. That's the elevator pitch. Let's put a (laughs) bunch of strange people together and then just see what happens. Oh, no, no, wait. We can make it better. We're going to have weirdo judges, too. And the people were total fucking normies. How do you personify straight, white, boring male in the most average demographic possible? In 2004? In 2004. And, and also that's include it. some women of the same characteristic. That's all, that's all you need is a lip ring. You just need face jewelry. And they were all competing for $100,000. So how did you win? How do you win this money in this show? They got eliminated like, eliminated, like on Survivor. The judges would decide who goes and who doesn't go so the idea was that they wanted people to do their weird things based on how i guess open-minded they perceive them to be and they had challenges to make people feel uncomfortable and the the judges by the way a vampire a voodoo priestess (laughs) a wiccan a modern primitive who was really just a guy with a bunch of fucking tattoos by the way and avocado was the naturalist because they, they needed to have somebody from every category yeah Every category as the most boring person imagines the weirdest people to be. Avocado is notorious for his social media presence and prolific posting. He's gained a wide audience through his use of clickbait and memes and many more books and speaking tours earlier in his career. He sells a brand of personality, but it's not just one personality. There's a different voice for each social media platform. He really is a man of multiple dimensions. I, I think that he, he probably is a the 21st century version of a renaissance man where he can be involved in a whole bunch of things and get kind of good at a bunch of them because he actually is successful. Yeah. He's not bullshitting about that part. He, he really has done a few things. At least the way that well. he's measuring success. <laughs> but he also represents this growing new breed of politically radicalized health guru. He's the kind of man who, in one breath, is going to recommend apple cider vinegar to treat diabetes, and in the next moment, he's going to climb on stage to rave about medical tyranny of mask and vaccine mandates. Well, I, you know, my my art pieces every day are my social media sites. So I'm working like this is how hardcore I am, bro. Like <laughs> I work Telegram, Messenger, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Gab, Parler, MeWe. And YouTube and BitChute all by myself yeah. every day. And Think trying trying to deal with the sense. 
Facebook Avocado has 11.8 million likes. He tends to share on Facebook all the same innocuous inspirational memes. I've seen him posting a lot of stuff for positive thinking articles. Mostly, though, it's really just clickbait from the same half dozen clickbait sites who have the same editorial staff. Here's a sample of some of the headlines from the articles that he's shared with his Facebook followers. Wild video shows child colliding with a sloth while ziplining in the Costa Rican rainforest. <laughs> People are having a hard time finding the horse hiding in this ordinary picture of a frog. <laughs> I couldn't afford to buy a house, so I moved into a tiny shed and saved thousands. Five creatures that can crawl through your toilet and how to stop them. <laughs> scientists say the soul does not die it returns to the universe no scientist ever said that instagram avocado has 394,000 followers which is a lot but a lot less than almost 12 million on facebook it does have more of the images of outdoors, vapid inspirational content, self-promotion. It's a lot like the Facebook account, but we see some new stuff. There's a little bit more right-wing conspiracy theories that are bleeding through in this one. Right in between all the outdoorsy images and videos, there's content about the Ottawa Trucker Convoy, the Ottawa Trucker Convoy, the Black Sheep Summit and Cryptocurrency, and the Australian government's ejection of Novak Djokovic. And of course, Dr. Seuss. Are we even allowed to say his name anymore? Really on each of these social media platforms outside of Facebook, where it doesn't really have quite the same bio profile right at the top. Almost all of them. He abuses emojis badly. It's the worst boomer energy that you can imagine. It's, it's like emoji... And then word, and then emoji, and then word, and emoji. And some of them don't even have to do with anything. Like one Some of them, of them have like four or five emojis in a row, though. You know, it'll be like sparkles, uh, kissy face, rainbow, sparkles, water splash. You figure it out. One of them, one of them, he starts with gorilla energy or something, and there's a gorilla. <laughs> so he's writing the word and then having the emoji that goes along with it. That's perfect. With 88,000 followers, his Twitter has a lot more MAGA content and New World Order conspiracy theories. He doesn't create much content himself, and as in almost no content. His retweets draw from a pool of the Trump Rights All-Star team. Avocado really seems to like to retweet Jack Posobiec, Tucker Carlson, Jordan Peterson, Donald Trump Jr., statements from Trump, videos of Mike Lindell, and generic Republican attacks on Democrats. He, he really goes hard MAGA on Twitter. At least since 2019, we don't see it as much. No, the earlier stuff isn't as much. Yeah, he really got going right before the, uh, the 2020 election. He dives in hard and sustains it the whole fucking time. So we're, we're, we're saving the best social media account of avocados for last. With 110,000 subscribers on Telegram, he really finds his right-wing following. This is the unfiltered avocado. He's posting dozens, sometimes more than dozens, of memes per day. 
with streaks of crunchy, vague spiritualism and streaks of far-right ideology, including anti-trans memes and NWO narratives. Mix in between all of these, about one every 15 to one every 20, we see a healthy dose of, dose of product promotion. So it'll, read, it'll be something like Trump cartoon, Soros cartoon, meme about the truckers, meme about vaccines, and then pushing some sort of essential oil. <laughs> all of them are converging on these same undercurrents. And this is where we saw the uh, the Soros meme where he's he's this octopus and he's, his tentacles are touching all of these things. <laughs> and the other memes that are like Satanists cabal and there's a cat head picture for some reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, right. Well, yeah, the, the, the one with the little girl that has the cat head and she's holding – she has two cat puppets – on her hands, and one says Satanists, and the other one says New World Order, uh, yeah, or something like that. And he, he, well, he's got the social media, and of course, naturally, he's trying to sell things, so he has websites, and there's more than a few of them. Yeah, we, we can't forget that all of this social media influencing is there to support the grift. It's all it's, there it's to all channel there to support it back the, grift. the website. So, of course, you know, that's why the product promotion comes in there. He's building this audience so that he can sell shit to them, obviously. Pushing the Black Sheep Summit because he's getting a cut of proceeds. I'm sure he has an affiliate relationship with the summit. And he was a speaker. And of course, he was a, he was one of two keynote speakers. Black Sheep Summit, we didn't talk about too terribly much, but their whole shtick was uh, self-sufficiency and homesteading and cryptocurrency. Because of course it was. Yeah, it's sort of like the, 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 the 50 cent version of crypto. It's, it's the get rich or die trying. If everything falls apart, then you can still live in your shack, you know, in the middle of the desert with your bunker. And it was an online seminar where they had like these three different tiers, each of which were starting at like two or three hundred dollars and then several hundred more dollars up to the VIP thing. But the VIP thing wasn't like you're meeting people backstage. It. It no, was it's a on, private it chat. It was a fucking Zoom It's a private video thing. chat. It's a private Zoom call. <laughs> Some of his websites are, he has his main one that's doing chocolate and mushrooms and colloidal silver. That's really his main one. That's his main one. Everything sort of coalesces around the sacred chocolate. Which he has a separate website just for the chocolate. Another one, Longevity Warehouse, sells the worst list of pseudo longevity products that you can imagine. It all sort of focuses on the beauty diet. Unlock the five secrets of ageless beauty from the inside out, which Avocado wrote. Where are you saying this? Did you write this down? No, I just found the book. It's 80% off. You can buy it for five bucks. Oh, and his sites do this weird fucking glitching thing. If you click a couple of links, all of his sites have weird glitches. Jungle grown cacao butter. 10-pound bag for $102. I've been looking at this guy's website. I've been looking at his social media. I've been looking at all these things. I've been sketched out by multiple websites. And the worst part is that whenever I go to click on some of these links, especially his favorite links in his social media, <laughs> or his the My Best Day Ever website, my firewall fucking freaks out. And it has the best warning that describes all of his products and probably him. Here's what a vast firewall says. Hold on. 
This website isn't safe. This is a phishing site, a fake site that tries to seal your sensitive info, passwords, credit card numbers, and more. We recommend avoiding this site completely. I don't know if I, I completely can agree with a vast. <laughs> with a, I completely agree with the vast firewall. Everybody should avoid David Avocado Wolf completely. <laughs> He's just trying to rob you. I want to dial it back a little bit briefly. We see Avocado as he is right now, and we have seen a few different iterations and a few different versions of him, and it's got to start somewhere. Everything that I can see about him, I, I can't even find anything before the mid-90s. Everything seems to start around where he wrote Nature's First Law, The Raw Food Diet. That was in 1996. He started a company in 1995. He may as well have landed from Mars in 1995, as far as I can tell. I can't find shit about him. The thing about that... Well, he wrote a book that later turned out to be plagiarized. Yeah. The yeah, book from a book that came out in the 60s called Raw Eating. It was plagiarized almost word for word. And we talk about that a little bit later, but this is where he kicked off his career. And I don't know what happened in the mid-90s to transform him into his present day state no he went to a real estate seminar over a weekend sometime uh, some some business class on how to be an entrepreneur he tells the same origin story on multiple different podcasts and interviews where he was lactose intolerant and then magically he got into all things nutrition overnight it seems it's in because the way that it's, he tells it's it. an entirely rehearsed backstory i wouldn't be surprised if absolutely none of that was true like, he might be lactose intolerant, but that he had this inspirational moment and decided to research all this food and dietary information. I, I just, I don't believe any of that. I saw some of those, some of those uh, videos as well, where he talks about his childhood. He doesn't talk about his childhood the way a human talks about a childhood. He talks away about his childhood the way a bad novelist writes a character's childhood. <laughs> and he doesn't mention anyone else really he doesn't talk about siblings or parents or friends for the most part i even encountered one interview where they asked him where does the term avocado comes from and speaking of fucking origin stories he says his friends thought that they should have superhero names or superhero nicknames i thought you were forbidden from giving yourself a nickname isn't that something that people have to give to you not if you're an egomaniac then you can do whatever you want his circle of friends were giving themselves nicknames uh, based on superhero-esque names, and his was Avocado because he eats avocados, I guess. So he's Avocado Man? <laughs> Kid Avocado? It's like he's Johnny fucking Appleseed. <laughs> the, the, the whole idea that he gets nicknamed Avocado because he liked avocados? He, There's something about him planting he, an avocado tree at some point when he was a child, too. Which he credits himself as being an avocado grower since that point when he planted a tree <laughs> once. He he references shit all the time where he's like, well, I've been doing this. I've been researching this for 25 years. You, pick, you know, pick the year and he'll date something back almost always to 94 to 96 and he'll sit, he'll say, well, you know, I've been studying these things intensely for 25 years. Same thing with being an avocado grower. He credits himself to that one day when he planted an avocado tree when he was a kid. 
and then says, well, I've been growing avocados since then, as if he's been an avocado farmer the whole time. I was thinking that at some point we would need to have some sympathy for him to uh, talk about, you know, he had some sort of hardship or something like that. And something made him into the man that he is now. But I'm not really feeling it. I'm I not don't really feel feeling it either. I'm just not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so bring bring us up to now. What what is he doing most of the time? He's he sells a fucking blender. It's called the Nutribullet. It seems like it works fine. He sells chocolate at ten dollars a bar. And by the way, you just can't buy one bar. You have to buy them in packs of ten. So you have to spend a hundred dollars minimum to buy his chocolate. One hundred twenty one dollars. Sorry. Oh boy. All right. Plus tax. And he sells mushrooms. Not even the little guy just can't catch a break. Big chocolate <laughs> is all over it. <laughs> you know the supplements he teaches classes about how to cleanse your colon and he does retreats where you do water fasts or he, he has a non-profit that actually kind of seemed pretty cool when i read about it it it's called the fruit tree planting foundation i i thought it seemed pretty cool and it's based on self-sufficiency and community building i don't know i i found it pretty hard to argue with Plants of fucking trees. Sounds sounds good. Of course, we did look into it a little bit on Charity Navigator, and it got a score of 55 out of 100. Which is a failing grade. Now, that doesn't mean that they're doing anything shady at the Fruit Tree Planting Foundation. It just means that it has a failing grade, and, they, and Charity Navigator says that it got low scores because, basically, they, they're not providing a lot of transparency in their documentation. And then there's also something about p- people in paid positions on the board. Which did you mention? But that doesn't he, include avocado, though. Yeah, he, he, according he get to any the salary. according to the filings for the for fruit tree planting foundation, he does not receive any compensation for his part in that. Of course, it contributes to his whole brand identity, so it helps him that right, way. Right, exactly. I mean, it, even when somebody like this does something that might be a good thing, it's so easy to view it as just another angle for the grift. Yeah. Yeah, another, he does this. Another, he does this charitable thing. He can he can promote it. He can get some press. Everybody thinks he's wonderful. Then he starts sending you, you know, some unending subscription to Sacred Chocolate or something. <laughs> and next thing you know, you're getting billed three hundred dollars a month. This whole time we've been talking about how Avocado has been showing himself to the world and how he wants the world to see him, but who the fuck is this guy? He has. A lot of titles, he's got accreditations that he claims, but it's kind of dubious, as you might imagine. There's a great article from The Outline by Yvette Detremont. You don't even know if she's French or how she pronounces that name, by the way. That is a French name, Sean. (laughs) It is a French name, but she might say Dentremont and not Yvette Dentremont. But like many things Wolf says about himself, these claims are inflated. I contacted all the schools that he alleges to have attended, Oxford University, the University of California, Santa Barbara, the University of San Diego, and the University of Integrated Science, California. Oxford University confirmed via email that, quote, a person named David Wolf, unquote, did study there in 2012, attending a course open to the general public called the origins of metaphysics and pre-Socratic philosophy, but he did not complete it. 
Oxford said that they could not confirm that it was the David Avocado Wolf. Maybe it was David Kumquat Wolf. But this was the only David Wolf who had ever registered for any course there. For the record, this was a two-day course for no credit that anyone could attend. He didn't even finish it. <laughs> he didn't even finish it. <laughs> Wolf has also suggested that his collection of undergraduate degrees includes a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering and Environmental Engineering, along with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from UC Santa Barbara. However, a search of the school's website does not show the environmental engineering component of his degree. Wolf did earn his law degree from the University of San Diego in 1998, but he was never admitted to the bar. To his credit, he has never held himself out to be a practicing lawyer to sell his brand of nonsense. We reached out to Wolf for comment via multiple channels and received no, no response. Wolf has also said that he has a master's degree in nutrition, but the institution where this degree came from was the University of Integrated Science, California, a for-profit college where you can major in things like Tachyon Holistic Wellness and the Veganic Master Program. <laughs> this guy <laughs> with sci-fi sounding names aside i wanted to know is this place even accredited is this a legitimate institution do you really wonder that after they have a course or they have a major not just a class but an actual major in tachyon holistic wellness <laughs> and you're wondering if they're legit Hey, it might be an early version of Star Star. I don't know. I don't know. I was pretty lucky because it's on it's question number seven on their website's FAQ. The idea of centralized government control over higher education in the United States was rejected in favor of a system of voluntary regional accreditation organizations. Membership in any one of the several U.S. regional accrediting associations is strictly voluntary. These regional accrediting associations are privately owned and operated. In other words, they are not owned or operated by the U.S. government or the U.S. Department of Education. At this time, recognized regional accrediting organizations only accept member institutions that are dedicated to traditional education requiring residency and classroom attendance. Therefore, UISCA cannot be considered as a member. UISCA does not seek membership because it is dedicated to educating a global community and providing online education to many who cannot afford to travel or maintain residency for classroom instruction. First of all, that's bullshit right there. <laughs> Basically, they're saying, no, they're not accredited. <laughs> and they don't need to be. The last part where they're talking about wanting to educate a global community and residency and that sort of a thing. There's fucking University of Phoenix. And they, they do have physical locations, though. So maybe there's something, something to that, that if you have, you have, have in-person classes, then you can do distance learning. But if you, you need to have that, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It sounds like bullshit. we didn't look into it because we're not journalists. <laughs> So we, we already know that his education credentials are shaky. And it turns out that even the way he presents himself on social media isn't legit. He takes his name and stamps it, although I haven't seen it as much in the last couple of years. He used to be prolific about this, just putting his name and logo sometimes, if you could call it a logo, on all sorts of different image memes that were his not. His logo is an avocado. 
It's yeah. <laughs> and they're not even his memes. They're just memes that are out there. And the worst part is that in addition to taking credit for memes that he didn't fucking make, he even took credit for his seminal book. The book that launched his career was from a totally different book from 1960 called Raw Eating. This book is almost word for word lifted. There's a few things that are changed a bit. It's almost the same fucking book. Plagiarism. It seems like his whole shtick is taking other people's ideas and content, stamping his name on it and calling it a day. From the outline article again. Much of the time, Wolf's much-disseminated content isn't even original. He has repeatedly been accused of stealing content, even entire books. Wolf's first book, Nature's First Law, The Raw Food Diet, published in 1996, appears to have been basically lifted from a little-known book on raw foods published in 1960 called Raw Eating by the Armenian-Iranian scientist Arshavir Ter Hovhannesian, also known as Adarov. As documented around the internet, Wolf's book doesn't merely share similarities with raw eating. It is, at best, a lightly edited version of raw eating, and at worst, a complete ripoff with some light cosmetic alterations. <laughs> God. This guy's main shtick, his whole bent, is against science. But he doesn't call it being against science. He is against scientism. Yeah, that buzzword should get everybody's attention right now. And the distinction between what's science and scientism for him depends on whether it's his stuff or established ideas about physics and physiology. If it's his stuff, it's science. That's how it always works, too, because if you apply the same type of criticism to something that to his stuff, the things that he's putting out there, then you're just criticizing him. I mean, he, it's all personal. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you couldn't possibly evaluate his ideas with any kind of rigor and come away making any sense out of it. But yet he can dismiss all of the science, all of the scientific research. The only consistency that I've found in whether or not he subscribes to some idea is, is it a majority idea or, or near consensus in science? If the answer is yes, he's not on board. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a huge controversy, then he's going to side with whoever is on the losing side. Most of the people who have criticized him that I've seen in the articles that I've read and videos that I've seen have focused on just his anti-vax ideas and a little bit of his anti-science, but they don't even come close to what they're... They portray him as this anti-science con artist. It's true, but they have the same two videos in almost every one of the articles that I see or almost any YouTube video that I see that says, don't listen to this guy. And almost all of the critiques seem to fizzle out after the early 2010s. It seems like there was a rush to criticize him from a science enthusiast, for example, the social media site, and other folks, and then almost nothing. And then he just got forgotten about. He just got forgotten about, but he still has his fucking 12 million followers on yeah. Facebook. There's no mention of his right-wing stuff, the New World Order conspiracy theories, none of that in any of the critiques that I've seen. And even some of the critiques are kind of cringy to point out, too. Yeah, just because you're criticizing this guy doesn't mean you have good ideas. These are some of Avocado's big ideas that normally don't get that much attention. Wolf's worldview is heavily influenced by Rudolf Steiner. 
more than a few disparate puzzle pieces really fall into place when we understand that and put our attention on this guy Steiner. He was active in the early 1900s, late 1800s. He was heavily associated with theosophy, of course. And Helena Blavatsky. Yeah, I was going to say Madame Blavatsky, of course. And he had his own shtick that was basically... How does it always keep coming back to Blavatsky? That's what I keep saying. It's always fucking Blavatsky. And he, he, he created his own version of it called Anthroposophy, which is really pretty much theosophy in a lot of different ways. It was, it was barely, barely different, if at all. Here's what he thinks about Steiner. Quote, Rudolf Steiner is the greatest philosopher in history. Ian, I think it's pretty unambiguous how he feels about this guy. He also said, Bigger than Jesus. Bigger than Jesus. <laughs> and then he says, The whole idea of infectious diseases being a problem was completely eradicated 120 years ago when Nikola Tesla invented his ozone machine. All right. Oh my god. So, this is... I don't even know what that's about. What did Tesla invented an ozone machine? Kind of... Not exactly. Oh, this is the ozone therapy thing. Yes. Oh, that's right. There's this cons- there's this quack alt nutritionist, alt health, alt medicine idea about ozone, which is oxygen three molecules that uh, they help to eradicate bacteria or parasites or any number of things really pick a thing it's kind of an all-purpose one as far as these guys are concerned they uh-huh. point to uh o3 being able to kill i believe bacteria. it kills you if you breathe it in is that i think that's correct it kills you if you breathe it in well that's exactly correct but here's the important thing it kills bacteria in the concentrations that it has been implied in some studies where they wanted to know what happens when you apply this to bacteria but the concentrations that are used don't just kill bacteria. It kills fucking all the things. I do know that ozone therapy is it, it like has been used successfully, at least in testing, for, um, uh, for open wounds where the, the ozone can be um, – where the, the affected area can be isolated so it's just on the surface of the skin. And then – so, th- you know, this effectively kills all the bacteria that – are you know are exposed to the air yeah you know are exposed to the ozone but it's not something that you could use i mean i guess you could put a helmet on or something and step into an ozone tank and do your whole body but when would that happen i mean it doesn't have a lot of utility it really does not and when we're talking about that the reason that that's working where it's topically applied is because you're killing all the things there just doesn't have to be anything else there except for the bacteria yeah he said this system is built upon a Luciferic injection strategy. It comes <laughs> from the higher mind of Lucifer, the parasite mind of Lucifer. That's why Lucifer wants access to your blood. What, what system is he talking about? He's talking about vaccines. Oh, man. So how is Steiner using the word Luciferic? He talks about influences, and he uses it interchangeably with Lucifer being a deity and being a some sort of a primordial influence and he Mm -hmm. uses i believe he calls it something like christ being or christ consciousness or christ something in the same way where he talks about christ but he also talks specifically about this other godlike very zoastrian themed duality 
he even mm-hmm. he even goes on to talk about it in a way where the aramonic deception is the materialist world and the materialist age in which we find ourselves uh-huh which comes up a few times we see some of the same ideas in new thought quimby mary baker eddie we've talked about these people before theosophy blavatsky yeah. we're seeing a lot of these same fucking themes here again uh and they were all reading each other's shit they were all reading each other's <laughs> shit of course they were i'd be remiss if i didn't mention that in one podcast the way forward which i've mentioned a few times just now uh some of these quotes that i have mentioned have been from a interview on the way forward podcast he also does a little bit of aids denialism which wow, is wow absolute aids denialism cringy huh? as fuck in 2021 wow so that's pretty cool so how 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 does it how does it turn out like how does he denying aids in a lot of the same way that he denies a lot of other stuff he does this this god of the gaps argument where he says well we we really don't know how how are we supposed to know this are facts real kind of a thing (laughs) where he doesn't exactly outright deny it but he's explicitly denying it by asking he won't affirm it He, he won't deny it but he's also not affirming it in in the way forward episode he's talking about a scientist in the late 80s slash early 90s who was skeptical about the whole HIV thing, as he puts it. <laughs> oh, that old thing. The whole... It's... <laughs> just just people dying all over the place. <laughs> Every, everybody knowing somebody who, who contracted the disease. Yeah. Well, his specific criticism was that HIV, was HIV does not cause AIDS. That's what he was all specifically saying. Right, of course saying. it doesn't. It's caused by something else. It's probably some luciferic deception. <laughs> <laughs> does he believe in viruses? oh man it's unclear exactly but he's another proto terrain theory guy i mean his whole fucking shtick is saying well i don't know and therefore nobody can know yeah right exactly so he never so he never really makes what about the parasites then that's his main thing there when it comes to disease the parasites. He talks about parasites, but he uses that term interchangeably in a very confusing way between talking about metaphor, literal parasites like tapeworms and shit, and metaphysical parasites such as Lucifer. So these are like all the same kind of thing. But he uses the, the way that he just jumps in almost in the same sentence sometimes from one meaning to the other is really confusing. I don't think that he has it straight. So I think that we should probably play these clips. Okay. The key ideas here is that on one side, you have Araman, which is the demon of materialism. This is the one form of evil. This is also represented by all parasites in nature. They either fall into the Aramonic side, which is a materialistic stone formation, calcification type of disease, or the disintegrative side, which is the other side, the other form of evil, which Steiner called Luciferic. Okay, so these two things, between Lucifer and Araman, we find the creative center where the human experience is actually going forward, where there's soul growth and development. And on both sides, we have to be careful. So if we suck, get sucked into the materialism, we believe that algorithms are running everything. We believe that you can be injected with some mRNA nonsense, and that's going to fix anything. 
We're going to believe that doctors know something. We're going to believe that universities actually teach things that are important. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we, we're just going to fall into all of those things. And, and we're going to believe that intel, intelligence is going to overcome wisdom. Yep. That's, these are aramonic deceptions. Our age is an age of an aramonic deception, a massive one. And what Steiner says our age is about is actually the coming of aramon into a physical body, flesh and blood. What does that mean? Meaning that Armand's going to incarnate. Now, as Ar- Armand approaches an incarnation, there are there's reverberations of incidents that occur on the earth approaching his incarnation, which is Steiner's students and myself, we basically had targeted down that for many years, between 2016 and 2040 is when the Antichrist or the Aramon makes his appearance on earth. That's Rudolf Steiner's stuff. <laughs> Steiner says that we have a, whatever our epic is, let's say it's 6,000 years or 10,000 years since the fall of Atlantis or the flood or whatever happened that destroyed the other thing that was before. Let's say it's 10,000 years. You go one quarter of the way in, that's the incarnation of Lucifer, which Steiner said happened in China, which actually helped humanity to break its bounds. Because Lucifer has a, a good aspect, which is you want to break out of your boundary. You want to, can we live longer? Can we be healthier? Can we have more fun? Can we, is there more here? Those are Luciferic impulses, but they can serve the human being if held in check. So that's why Lucifer comes in the first quarter of this epic that we're in. And I'm, I'm speaking in a theosophical understanding of history. Wow. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy's talking about parasites being satan or araman i don't fully understand where he's going with this i tried really fucking hard to know what the fuck he was talking about no it is straight theosophy but it is straight fucking theosophy and in line with 18th 19th century ideas let's revisit another fucking 19th century idea how about flat earth because he also believes the earth is flat because of course he does there there's not a conspiracy theory or quack idea that this guy doesn't fucking like. But don't hear it from me. Let's fucking hear it from Avocado. When you get to the flat earth, what's, what's amazing about that, what's interesting about that is you immediately go, is the space program authentic? Right? You go, boom, space program. Is it authentic? Are these pictures that we're getting, satellite pictures, are they really from satellites or are they from high-altitude drone balloons? Is the, is the rocketry thing really just a, a, a stage trick? Right? Now, I have been studying the people who are running the world for a very long time. And you know, I grew up with David Icke. I mean, I've been reading that stuff since I was a kid, right? I got kids, you know, kids that I educated, they've been studying That's that stuff since they were 11 people. years old. You know, they, so we're open to that possibility that there could be major organized crime in the world. And is it possible that these guys are using stage magic, tricks? Um, look over here, look over here. Meanwhile, they got your watch off over here, right? And is it possible that the um, world that we're living in has been misdescribed? I definitely know that the world we're living in has been misdescribed to us and oversimplified, including the solar system model. It's been vastly oversimplified. It, it doesn't actually accord itself to the very accurate readings we can get today with our technology, right? Like to, they never predicted that it was gonna come to this, mm-hmm. right? So they were like, oh, we'll just run this BS story in front of these people and we'll just keep it going. But then now all of a sudden we got technology. Predicted what was gonna so come to what? It's leading us to something. <laughs> but out of all the flat earth stuff, what's gonna happen is, is we know the answer and the whole thing is gonna come down to Antarctica. There's something going on in Antarctica. So whatever your belief system is where you can, you know, get crack your, you know, this part of it or the other part of it or whatever, 
Antarctica. Are we getting legitimate science out of Antarctica? And do we have proof that the sun is up 24 hours in Antarctica? And the answer is we do not. Because the two videos, and there are only two on the whole internet, of the sun being up 24 Jesus. hours in Antarctica on June 21st, or sorry, December 21st, which is their summer, yeah, are provable hoaxes and frauds, which right there, that right there should go, cause you to go, what wake-up call? Is it possible that the people who are running our governments are connected to each other in secret societies? And the answer is, that's possible. Are they working together secretly? Yep, it looks like they are. That's the Council of Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, the, the Freemasonic Societies of the World. Is it possible that they could have malintent, meaning that they could have intent to deceive? And the answer is, yep, certainly possible. <laughs> Jesus. It's possible. So, so it's, it's all, magicians. It's all possible. So it's card trick Las Vegas magicians who are actually reptiles because David Icke and they come yeah. from Antarctica? So it's flat. The Earth is flat, obviously, because it's stage magic, and they never thought something would come to this. Something. Something. Yeah. That, because now we have technology that we didn't have before that he's not mentioning that proves that the Earth is fl flat now? And the whole solar system thing. <laughs> it's not... Yeah, that's, that, that whole solar system thing... <laughs> So, so I guess if the Earth is flat, I mean, how old is this flat Earth? One might wonder. Lucky us, we we get to find out how old it is. This is also this is from another podcast called The Way Forward that we mentioned earlier. Not the Darwinian billions of years garbage and millions of years crap. It's the worst, by the way. I could go on about that. I'm friends with Michael Cremo. He wrote Forbidden Archaeology, one of the greatest books ever written, worth reading. It's one of the best that summarizes. Forbidden Archaeology? Forbidden Archaeology. I'd recommend reading every word. It's 1,100 pages. It's oh, Michael Cremo. Amazing. <laughs> You're going to be like, what? This is crazy. He breaks apart every single bit of evidence that has been used to install the idea that we evolved from apes or that animals are evolving from other animals or it's all gobbledygook nonsense, all of it. And so you have to go like, okay, it's not that. It's, not, it's also not that we were created 6,000 years ago either. Mm -hmm. It's neither of those. And people go, I can't handle that. It's got to be, I've got to go back to my fundamentalist religion, which is going to be my Darwinism, right? Or the other thing. It's yep. just people are fundamentalist because they can't hold on to nothing. Yeah. Well, and it's like the- By fundamentalist, he means scientism. What the earth was in Atlantean times was completely different than the world we live in today. They, the Atlanteans figured out how to pop the circuit between the heavens, which are positively charged, and the earth, which is negatively charged. They shorted it. And, and that literally blew like all the capstones off the pyramids, like all the, all the casing stones. You know, the, the pyramids and the whole Giza plateau, not just the three, but all of them were cased, meaning that they were like this. There was no this. It wasn't like a ziggurat. It was like they were cased. And that was true of monuments in Peru and all over the world. And something popped those, all of them, in a cataclysmic event that thrust the world into an ice age of some sort or some and a flooding event, of course. And the energies, you know, really taking on like what is the energy to require to do of that? 
it's way beyond nuclear weapons way way nuclear weapons is a joke compared to that level of what they did what happened and in that the the earth itself the actual magic of the earth which back then so i'll just give you a little hint back then the earth was more like lord of the rings right this is he was going back into the scandinavian language to try to uncode past truths and the past reality by uncoding the language to figuring out what the, what was going on in Atlantean times. So in Atlantean times, magic was much stronger and much more predominant. And science was much stronger in the sense of much cleaner, I would say. But like magic, of course- science, the scientific process. Yeah, the scientific yeah. process was much cleaner and purer. And when they popped the circuit, they actually damaged the earth greatly, but didn't destroy it. And they damaged us greatly. And so our entire 10,000 year epic is a healing process. Mm -hmm. Now, the aramonic moment that's coming right now, the pimple pop of evil, this moment is, I, in my opinion, is probably the lowest cyclical moment of evil in the whole, whatever, 100,000 year epic of the earth or 200,000 year epic of the earth or 300,000 year epic of the earth. But I don't think the earth is much older than that with people on it and animals. And I do believe, by the way, from the evidence that dinosaurs did live with you. Oh, thank God. Whatever those three, you know, the, this, the footprints here in Texas on the Paluxy River, where there's human and dinosaur footprints together, mm -hmm. which has been withheld from everybody. Graham Hancock actually said that as well, too. So I went to the, the uh, Creationist Research Institute down there in San Diego many times because my office used to be near there. I went there all the time, actually. They had great books and they have that actual piece. They got that piece that's, because they knew so over the evolutionists, they would destroy it. They've got the piece of stone that's got the human footprint and the dinosaur footprint mm -hmm. together. And so, by the way, that's that area there not only indicates that humans and dinosaurs were living together, it indicates that they were domesticated. We had dino pets. There's so many <laughs> footprints and human footprints that have been found in there, in that place. So it would have to be that like they were living amongst each other. Like right? horses like, and humans it has to be something like that. So because that's rad. the only thing that makes sense. And see, that's the, the, the reason why like we respond, we go, that was epic like that was probably rad what was going on then it's because when we read a lord of the rings or we watch a star wars or something like that we know there was an epic of the earth's history that was like that and that was the 10th <laughs> how about that huh Damn. i saw this really cool clip that was a scientific explanation of what it would be like if the earth was actually flat i found it so much more fascinating than uh reality itself or what the flat earthers say it was just such a fun world when they were describing what would actually fucking happen <clears throat> for example farther out towards uh -huh. the edges of disc shape or let's just say it's a plane maybe the trees would be almost horizontal with the ground because it would be going towards the center of the of the flat earth <clears throat> and uh -huh. this among other things makes gravity a real fucking problem for flat earth theory theory might be a little generous and uh of course if david believes in all this other shit why wouldn't he believe that gravity is not a real thing they're keeping out light heat and oxygen and shielding the interior tree from something which is actually light heat and oxygen which caused gravity which is, that's not, that's not in the Einstein theory. I listened to Carl Sagan in Cosmos when I was 12 years old, and I thought that the Einstein theory of gravity was intrinsic to matter. Actually, if anything, it's intrinsic to matter. It's levity, not gravity. 
Gravity is a decay process. Levity is a, a construction process. And if you are clever and you follow what nature is doing, you can displace gravity. And that's the whole idea of what a spring is. That's all whole Victor Schauber's entire technology. That's the whole idea of the vortex. That's the whole idea of what a tree does. That's what a tree is. Then everything that has growth, and including you, and is able to jump around and not set your own weight, is actually violating the whole theory of gravity. He has more ideas. Somehow he has more thoughts on the things that he sells specifically. His main shtick, which is chocolate. He makes it some kind of silver bullet of snake oils. He tells you that it can make you more money. And so chocolate has this zany, psychoactive part that helps us to think differently. We had talked previously about, you know, you're, you're, I think you're in your senior year at university. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Fourth okay. Year. So fourth year. So what's happening is, is you're finding out that people like they, they lost their ability to think creatively, right? Yeah. Is that what we want to think you're experiencing? Well, chocolate brings it back. Chocolate helps you get it back. It helps you to think differently, to think through problems differently. We don't need to know what to think. We need to know how to think. We need to get smarter in our creative thinking. This is really the future for all education. Our education got really dulled down into, here, memorize this, here, memorize that, and then we're going to give you this piece of paper. But really what we should be learning is logical fallacies. Really what we should be learning is creative thinking, how to think through a problem differently. And chocolate, actually, if there's going to be any food that can help us do that, chocolate's it. By the way, a lot of times people ask me, you know, I need to make more money. What food should I eat to make more money? Chocolate, of course, it's the golden ticket. What are you talking about? It's by far <laughs> the best thing for prosperity that you could yeah. ever have. So that's it. <laughs> I saw Willy Wonka. It can make you more money. And of course, it's going to make you live longer. Why wouldn't it? He claims that it's the number one longevity food and food for the heart. And it cures male pattern baldness. I searched all over the planet. I visited shamans, asking them what they thought about chocolate. This shaman in the Amazon told me that you can take the cacao tree bark, peel it off, soak it in ice cold water. It releases a gel in 24 hours, and when you rub that into your scalp, it cures male pattern baldness. <laughs> I'm an infopreneur. My eyes went into dollar signs when I heard that. You mean there's a product that would sell more than chocolate itself that comes from the chocolate tree? And we're researching this right now. First and foremost, I'm a researcher. <laughs> now, I think we have to point out that the shaman that he showed in his presentation was wearing a hat. <laughs> it's good for balding. It makes you live longer. You make more money. Why wouldn't it be good for your teeth? If you recall, there was a great book written years ago, which we're going to look at, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And the Oompa Loompas had brilliant, pearly white, strong teeth. <laughs> because chocolate <laughs> is great for your teeth. Chocolate toothpaste the is Oompa coming. The Oompa Loompas had white teeth. <laughs> That's his evidence. <laughs> Beyond chocolate, he also claims that deer antlers are anti-aging because of, I don't know, anti-gravity? Because they grow up, I bet. <laughs> I bet it's because they grow up.
Okay, that's biodynamic farming. So that's what it's indicating is that energies are flowing into the cosmos or flowing out of the earth and up, and they're being concentrated in certain substances, like a deer's antler. So when you take a deer antler product, that's not some joke. That's not some like, oh, we're taking this supplement now. That's a very deeply intuitive read that many, many sages in the history of our planet tuned into, and we're like, that's where the prana is concentrated, right there. Same with Shaga. They realize like, okay, out of anything, is the Shaga, or is the wild lettuce concentrating the prana? It's like, no, wild lettuce is great, love it. The lettuce goddess and me are like this, everything is great. But it's really, it's in the Shaga. So unless we really have that kind of mindset of like, whoa, these, this is a product of a very long, intuitive development of an idea, then we might just be stuck in this whole very superficial reality of like, oh, I'm taking this product. Deer antler is not a product. It's a cosmic substance. And it's an androgenic substance, by the way, very androgenic. And it needs to be taken with respect and understanding. And why we've been, while we've been getting into this whole thing about estrogenic forces and then androgenic forces, you gotta know that, hey, like deer antler is an androgenic force. And then why? Because it's, a sub, it's, a, it's cosmic in nature. It's elevating. It's levitational in its nature, which actually it makes you younger. Forces of levity make you younger. Rudolf Steiner, if you recall what I said the first night here, Rudolf Steiner said that we gradually age due to substances in our body that are seized by the Earth's gravity. He could have said anything. He could have said anything at all, but he said that. So he's saying that androgenic is somehow this levitational thing i think he's using that term incorrectly i might add no he's using it the way steiner uses the term yeah and he's he's meaning it to be masculine he means masculine he's also saying that this is good i mean you can see the elation in his face he's so fucking excited so is he saying that estrogenic things are bad he does not make that clear, but he's not nearly ex as excited he's not about so excited. Estro he's like, estrogenic things. Like, well, we were talking about estrogenic things, but the androgenic stuff, that's amazing. It's cosmic. And, and it makes you lift off the earth or something. That's not what levity means. That's not what that fucking word means, guy. And of course, th this is really just a direct fucking ripoff of traditional Chinese medicine. Been in use in Chinese medicine for like 2,000 years. Of course, mushrooms... Why would they not be from the cosmic wind? They're anti-aging, and they might prevent cancer, maybe? And they levitate off the Earth, and they take a little journey before coming back. Because gravity isn't real. Because gravity's not real. So where's the conspiracy? Why isn't everybody using all these things all the time? I mean, if, if we wanted to go to space, we didn't need fucking rockets. All we needed were mushrooms and androgenic forces in enough concentration so we just have to eat chocolate and mushrooms it gets a little awful when it comes to things that are actually pretty fucking serious he prescribes treatments for cancer and diabetes <clears throat> he specifically attacks tested proven cancer treatments and then peddles his own shit he barely avoids legal trouble by using just the right combination of words in this ambiguous, did I say that? I'm just asking questions kind of a phrasing. We already heard him do that so many times. So many like, times. I'm a researcher. I follow the data. I, I, I just, I want to know how things are.
there's a website where he was a speaker in 2021 that's called, of course it is, The Truth About Cancer Live. And they sold tickets from $300 to $1,000 on the website. There is a quote from him prominently placed that says, Medical communism always precedes communism, and medical freedom precedes liberty and freedom. Do your research, and you will discover this astounding fact. Now is the best time ever to fight for medical freedom. From the London Real interview, he claimed that urine vaccine is, quote, the most powerful vaccine of all and is very effective at controlling cancer. No, it's not. And what's creepier, this urine vaccine isn't just drinking piss, which a lot of quacks advocate. It involves injecting it in some way. Just right into the blood. Just just the main line of urine. He goes on about it. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention that, of course, he's fucking anti-vax. That's the main thing that has been harped upon. But he claims that ozone therapy should be used instead of vaccines. There's not only zero evidence that ozone therapy has any medical benefit. The claims for this treatment come from studies of oxygen in impossible and lethal concentrations for human use. Of course, he claims that vaccines have mercury and formaldehyde, which are debunked. We know that this is not how this works. It's not fucking mercury. And we would be uh, incomplete if he didn't claim the fucked up and debunked claim that vaccines cause autism. First of all, no, they don't. That one just won't go away. It won't go away. It comes from a guy who was uh, 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 relieved of his medical license, let's say, because he promoted a bullshit paper that just will not go away. It's been thoroughly disproven. And then we have Jenny McCarthy fucking talking about it. What was it, in the 80s? I think it's been almost 40 years. I want to say it was at most the early 90s. I want to say it was like 87 or something like that. And what's worse, what's fucked up about it on top of all of that is that the implication is that may as well risk your child dying of one of these awful diseases than having autism. That's what's implied by that statement, is that it's better for your child to risk dying from these diseases than to have autism, which I think is pretty fucked up. He claims that raw food, he claims, among other things, to stick with the nutrition thing that has been his shtick since the 90s, that raw foods and so-called superfoods, which aren't really in exact classification, superfoods are kind of a thing, but only the loosest definition of it. There's there's a vague definition or very vague parameter for what makes something a superfood. But again, it's just more ripping off from the raw eating book. And uh, by the way, we have had significant caloric benefit from cooking foods as a species. It has helped us as a species to get where we are. And the claims that are, are made by raw foodists are pseudoscientific. He does this interview with this woman named Tracy Does. It's really badly recorded. I wouldn't recommend anyone suffer through this horrible podcast. The audio is incredibly horrifying. And I should note, she does a couple of commercials, which are these almost ASMR-type recordings. They're really bizarre. Science, Empiricism, and Epistemology 
avocado has serious issues with science. Scientists and really anybody who believes in them, there are a handful of really great samples of what he thinks about science. Not just science, but his idea of scientism from the podcast The Way Forward, which was on July 21st, 2021, with the guy named Alec Zek. Science is all co-opted. Science is all about the scientific method. It has nothing to do with belief systems. It has nothing to do with, you can't study that because it doesn't exist. You talk about Bigfoot because that can't exist. So we're not going to talk about it. All of that, whatever it is, ghosts that don't exist. So we can't talk about it. It's not science. That's scientism. That's a religion. That's a fanatical, atheistic, materialistic religion. Scientism is coming to its satanic fruiting right now. It's flowering. I'm not into scientism, but I am into science. The scientific method. Only that. The scientific method came along and parasites went, We want that. We're taking that. And that became the whole scientism garbage that we're dealing with today. Which is, again, higher forces are at work. Parasite forces. And then the cosmic Christ. And then the creative force in the middle. <laughs> what the fuck is he talking wow. about? I, I've I've heard so many podcasts and l listened to so many interviews with people who have this sort of flight of ideas. They just keep spitting out these disjointed statements where one thing barely has any relationship to the thing that's coming right before it. And then the next thing, you don't know where it's going to go. And they, they just keep taking these turns. And by the end of it, I find that, I mean, for a moment, I have this sympathy for whoever's interviewing these people because they're sitting there and they all have the same look on their face. They have this kind of blank stare at the camera while, while Avocado's talking. You know, they don't know how to respond to most of this stuff. You know, so sometimes they'll just say a word like Lemuria. And then, <laughs> and then, and then Avocado goes off on another tangent about, about that thing. By the end of it all, an hour has gone by and he hasn't really said anything except for expressed incredibly clearly that he can't string two thoughts together. They also seem to try to help him along sometimes. There are so many awkward, I've seen that too. fucking moments where somebody will be handing on a silver platter something that will take him back down to earth to connect his ideas, and he doesn't even allow them the courtesy. <laughs> What do, you, what do you think about movie theater prices? <laughs> he does this same rant on many of the podcasts that he gets interviewed. These are not old interviews. I'm not cherry picking from... No, these are all really current. ...from 2008 or something. The London Real episode with Brian Rose was on November 5th of 2017. This, these are not long ago. You know, as far as his medical tyranny stuff, he he was you know up on stage in in Canada during the anti-mask and anti-vax yeah. protests just a couple of months Which ago. Which he bounces between Canada, Hawaii, California, and now he's finally landed in Texas because of course he of course has. he has Austin, I'm sure. No, uh, fuck, I forget what it is. I want to say it was Dallas. Oh, that that actually is surprising. I figure he would be in the same neck of the woods as. Alex Jones. No, I think it's Dallas. I thought the same thing, but uh, that's why I'm I'm rejecting it because I think I remember thinking that I too was surprised that it wasn't Austin. 
Well, here's a few more quotes from the London Wheel, actually. I'm into the scientific method. I do know from experience that the scientific method is not the only way we can know something. There's also just experience. What my detractors are stuck in is they're stuck in materialism, which is this materialistic explanation for everything, and that only the material world matters. I suspect that, yes, we're in a material body, and yes, the material world matters, and also the emotional world matters, and your mental world matters, and your spiritual world matters. What I mean by scientism is not the scientific method. It's all this BS that surrounds the scientific method and that says, oh, you're a Christian. You can't do science then. Oh, you believe in God. You can't do science then. Oh, you don't believe in the Big Bang. You can't do science then. Who said so? Who's saying that? Well, I'll tell you who's saying it. It's people who their religion is materialism. Their religion is the materialistic explanation, and they've co-opted science and dragged it into this BS, which is called scientism. The reason why they're so upset at me and the reason they have to call me a pseudoscientist and insult me and all that is because I'm going after their religion, their atheistic scientismic religion. These are a string of ideas that are disjointed that are conflating dogmatism and science and empiricism in this fucking patchwork of badly understood epistemology. He, he starts with the argument that there are other forms of knowledge than empirical evidence. This is kind of fair. That's, you can say that's that. kind of fair. You like, can say that. I, I'm yeah. not going to fucking argue yeah. with that. Are there other forms than empirical evidence? Fucking totally. Why not? I, I'm very on board yeah. with that idea. I mean, you can yeah, have intuition. Absolutely. It's not the same. We shouldn't they're treat them as the if they're the same. But yeah, there's other ways of knowing things. You can get a feeling yeah. about something. And even when we are trying to understand how we perceive sensory experience and model reality with our sensory experience, uh, this is not just epistemology and philosophy itself coming into question, but this is about how our brains and bodies are working to model reality. When we're trying to understand, do I know what I know? How is that true? We can look to psychology, neuroscience, fucking evolutionary biology, sociology. There's a chorus of people who are talking about these influences that are contributing to or even manipulating or influencing how we understand reality. We can take drugs and understand reality differently and perceive reality differently and under and yeah, it, doesn't it doesn't make, make it, not, it real. not real. So this is a fair point. He he's striking at a fundamental question of how do we know what we know? And from this very reasonable question, he goes way off the fucking rails. <laughs> and that's that's where he gets in the same camp as a lot of these religionists that we think of when we think of fundamentalist religion. Young earthers, creationists, we're hearing the same arguments from him, even though he rails against what he calls fundamentalism. But we're back at the same thing that we were saying in the beginning, so I guess we haven't learned very much. I guess we already had them all sewn up and we're just (laughs) repeating ourselves. But if we applied the same standards to what he's saying, that he's applying to science then we shouldn't believe a fucking word that he says. Yeah. Because his big criticism about about scientism, uh, you know, not the scientific method, but what he's calling scientism, 
is that it's fallible. It's not as it's it's not as uh, it, it doesn't have the the same sort of validity that everybody else thinks it has. But on its side, it's got this whole collection of evidence from all these different people that and generally ideas continue to stick around until they've been they've been overturned by new which information. is exactly the talking points and that's what's always been going on but when it comes to his stuff it's not testable you can never evaluate it and all you have to do to to you know the only new information you need is somebody else's crazy idea who's talking louder yeah it seems like his whole fucking metric for what he believes is correct and scientific but not scientismic is is it fucking wacky enough again in london real we're talking about material causality so life on earth what caused it well i have this theory big bang the next thing you know like planets formed the next thing you know there was the beginning of basic life and then over billions of years suddenly we're here the fact that he can just say the next thing you know, there was the beginning of basic life, and then over billions of years, suddenly. Also, we're here. that was not a typo. He said there was the beginnings. No, I know it's not a typo, but suddenly over billions of years. Nothing sudden happens <laughs> over billions of years. It's billions of years. Is that true? And the answer is it can never be proven. We have evidence that it's true and evidence that it's not true. We have evidence it's not true. It's a theory. It's going to remain a theory. It can't be a fact. As opposed to Atlantis or Luciferic <laughs> energy or ozone therapy or any of those other things. You've got to show me how these 107 cancer studies that made it through peer review were later pulled because they were fraudulent. There's an easy, everybody loves to latch on this stuff. Like a study was performed and then later on it was, it was evaluated and, or you, because what they, what happens is they try to replicate it. And this is a serious issue in psychology. Yeah. And it, it, it's something that I don't think we really, I mean, we haven't addressed it on the show because that's not really what we're doing here, but it, it's called the replication crisis. And it is a, it's a serious problem. A lot of this foundational research in psychology that people have built theories on and treated patients based on has not been able to be replicated. We're talking about foundational behavioral and science. And other stuff. studies are based on not those assumptions to. too. And, and then you have assumptions based on those and then further studies. And anyway, it's a, it's a, pro, it's, it's a, it's a significant problem. So in there, we're talking about a social science. We're talking about dealing with people and there's so many more variables but when it comes to cancer studies, most of these studies are dealing with mice or something like that. And what happens with the peer review process is the paper gets sent to a few different people before it gets after it's submitted to a journal. And these other scientists who are also working in this field review it. They look at the data. They look at the methodology. Everything looks OK. It all looks legit. Then they, they, they give their approval to it or they don't they don't take the time to try to replicate the study that does happen, but it's generally years later where you have other people who are going to try to repeat that and get this and see if they can get the same results. If they don't get the same results, it draws, you know, it creates questions. And sometimes a study can be, you know, can later be countermanded and say like this, you know, there were problems with this and now it's been exposed. 
that's exactly how the process is supposed to work. This critique of science that we hear, again, from people who are anti-science, the critique is what I think is the benefit of science. The critique is, well, we used to believe this, and now we found out it was wrong. So science doesn't work. Right, yeah, exactly. That's how it works. That's proving that, it works. They're, they're, they, they have the built-in problem right there, though, because we used to think like this. And now we know it's wrong. All right, so the new idea replaces the old idea. But why are we believing the new idea? That's the part that, like, he's not questioning that, that we, that we can replace an old idea with a new idea when, when we have more information. He doesn't have a problem with the new idea. He just sees that whole process as evidence that the whole thing's fucked. Yeah, which is contrary to his other claim, which is that we shouldn't be clinging to dogma or a fixed idea about things, which he says so yeah. many times. But that's his critique. Of we're we're asking way too much of this dude right now. I mean, it, this is this is the best he can do. All right, that's what we have to acknowledge about everybody we meet that they're doing the best they can, Jules. <laughs> Avocados trying hard out there every day. He's on he's on Twitter. He's on Telegram. He's on Facebook. He's trying every day. For what it's worth. According to him, I think he has a pretty clean colon. So <laughs> even though I call him full of shit so much, according to the quantity of cleanses he claims to be having, <laughs> I'm not sure if he is. I think he's good. <laughs> well, how do we reconcile this guy between this presentation of some kind of MAGA New World Order David Icke. I always thought it was David Ick, by the way. It's not. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Oh, son of, son of a bitch. <laughs> he, you can actually listen to the guy's interviews and see him get introduced at speaking events and stuff like that. You know, it's... Huh. Well, APS. <laughs> uh, we have all his far right conspiracy theories and his flat earth and young earth ideas that don't seem to quite mesh with what I would take to be your crunchy classics of liberalism. And then he says stuff like this. People who are into business tend to be more on the liberal side because you have to be able to get along with people. That has not been my experience that, at, at all. all. That people who are into business tend to be on at the liberal all. side. But he dances around with these ideas between right wing and liberal, usually neoliberal, if anything. So what does he fucking believe is the question. He believes in making more money for himself. That's exactly it. Neoliberalism is the name of the game. He, he, belie he believes in building a giant fan base. He believes in being the, the object of people's adoration. He believes in selling more fucking blenders. That's exactly what he believes. And much like our friend from New Mexico who owned the construction company and was one time governor. He doesn't like taxes for all the obvious reasons, and he's really just a fucking low-rent liber <laughs> libertarian. Well, that's exactly what he is. He's, he's kind of a throwback to, to a bygone time period in a lot of ways, because he's basically this, this kind of neo-hippie. He, he doesn't like the way anything's gone in society, and I don't have any problem with that. I don't like the way things go in society either. But his answer to that 
is to become a keynote speaker for a crypto conference that also is really big into backwoods survivalism. This is a new kind of thing. It, it looks like there's a contrast, but the more you follow this guy, the more you see how he acts online and how the more you listen to the things that he's saying, the more it seems like these surface contradictions between the, the crunchy, positive thinking, this is the best day ever messaging, and the emphasis on being a businessman and being an infopreneur, as he talks about, as he, <laughs> as he describes it. Or a gastronaut. <laughs> the, or a gastronaut. The more these contra- the more you look at these contradictions past the past the superficial appearance, you realize they're not there at all. It, it's all part of a brand. The whole thing is the brand. He's appealing to people who have this suspicion, and a lot of and a lot of times I think justifiably so that things are kind of fucked up in the world, that we have a lot of problems, and that there is a shady bunch of people who are pulling the strings or you know behind the scenes. But instead of working to really reveal those people, he's happy enough just having his crazy ideas. He doesn't care about who those people actually are, what's really going on. He just likes the stories. And he 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 found out early on, I think, that those stories really capture everybody's imagination. And they like to listen to him tell those stories, too. He likes to be a protagonist in the story. Of course. And it's and and he wants to be the he wants to be the, the you know it's the same thing with the the Christian persecution complex where they they want to be the victim and the and the conqueror at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and it it it's not that dissimilar when we when we look at some of the far right and a lot of the granola ideas. It's the same pull yourself up by your bootstraps ideas. It's the same off grid ideas. It's the same neoliberal view of the world with this isolationism and self-sufficiency where everything is all about me and I'm going to vote with my dollar and uh, things are fucked up. So instead of fixing them, I'm going to go off grid. Just depending on on what side of the political spectrum you end up on, the the solutions are always going, you know, are, are the solutions are always the same, but depending on what side you're on politically... They just look different, but they're not, they're really not different. The, he, he is an absolute consumerist. Yeah. Shop your way to freedom. That's the whole shtick. His entire audience is our consumerists. That's why they're his audience. They, and that's why it works as a business model for him. He's He's found a group of people who are, who are just like, you, just like you said, they're trying to shop their way to happiness. And, and in this case, instead of buying a new car or a, a bigger house or something like that, they're they're buying some fucking chocolate and his herbal supplements. <laughs> Avocado is a charlatan who exploits suspicion of the status quo and institutions to sell overpriced products. He uses the model of questioning ex- experts, using logical fallacies to cast doubt, and then claiming to be an expert by moving the goalposts of criteria for an expert. He has consistent steps for his snake oil grift that we see over and over again with other grifters and charlatans. It's a pattern of claiming a unique or hidden knowledge, discrediting experts in the field in question, and then claiming to be a special expert who's bucking the status quo, but is vilified for speaking the truth. And I want to break that down a little bit. When he's a rebel. He's a rebel. He's a re- Oh, I'm the underdog. <laughs> Always. I'm a maverick. If you're going to claim unique or hidden knowledge, 
you need to add a little mystery. You got to have a little intrigue. And that dampens critical thinking. Maybe add a little anger or fear. You know, oh, the, 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 the alien lizard mole people are out to get us. And it's these, it's these child sex trafficking uh, demon people. No, but in, th- in this case, it's, you know, we used to have Atlantis and then Lucifer came and fucked it up with all of his energy. <laughs> and now the magic's all gone and we don't live in Lord of the Rings anymore and we have to pay taxes. <laughs> and that's, well, that's it. You have to have spooky language. You need to have your special jargon. That's why you have to have your tachyon energy cleanse or your luciferic aramonic dis- enema. enema. <laughs> and everything is always an extreme. It's a critical part that we see with all of the grifters. They say the most, the first, the best, the oldest. It's always a fucking superlative, which I know always almost is a superlative in itself <laughs> it's yeah, consistent we're, we're, we're seeing the, the 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 first glimmerings of jules's next career <laughs> all of this has just been a prelude to him studying for his own grifts as we're studying these grifters i'm only realizing how easy it is i don't know why i haven't thought of it myself it, it, this, this fall we'll be launching the wet wired shopping network <laughs> <laughs> well you can't leave out special exclusive membership so for only 9.99 a month right support us on patreon (laughs) (laughs) oh but if you're already listening if you're listening to this maybe you already are (laughs) don't worry we're not grifting you (laughs) and uh if you if you're claiming to be a special expert you have to have special titles and followers and some kind of a unique connection to something very old and spooky. Maybe as old as Atlantis. Who's to say? Well, in his case, it's it's Rudolf Steiner and this aramonic energy and the Luciferian energy. And all the titles that he makes up. He goes out of his way to mention them. I think that's, you know, we might be, we might have stumbled into what his attraction to Steiner is in the first place is that it's... Steiner has this very seemingly cohesive picture of how the world works, how things are organized, and it's absolutely bonkers if you pay any if you pay any attention to it at all. But on the surface, it's filled with all these magic words. And if you learn the language, if you learn all of Steiner's language, you get to repeat those magic words in front of other people, and you can watch their eyes dazzle when you say those crazy things, which is exactly what he does. It's part of a charlatanism that we see a lot in the crunchy granola world. I've seen mm-hmm. friends who, uh, who I appreciate. I, I appreciate these friends. I'm not shitting on said friends, but they are squarely in the Burning Man every year crowd. Not that there's anything wrong with that either. I totally want to go one of these years. It looks like a very fun festival. I think it probably was like 15 years ago. I'm sure. I know. I've heard all the things. But my point being... As soon as Elon Musk started going, I doubt you want to go. I know. But my point being, I'm still totally going to go because it seems like a lot of fun. And the important thing that I'm getting at is I'm trying to... Is it important? (laughs) I'm trying to paint a picture here, Sean. (laughs) You should just get around to painting it then. 
(laughs) (laughs) Don't talk about the painting. That doesn't get it done. There's this exoticism. There's this xenocentrism that we see where it's like a fucking new age pier one imports anything (laughs) that came from india in fact better yet if you've got an indian accent all the better uh it is this magical mysterious unknown thing we hear it from him too when he's talking about usually we, we we hear of xenophobia or ethnocentrism but xenocentrism is really what's going on here and the exoticism it's kind of the same thing kind of the same thing two different words yeah. but i really want to sound intelligent they're different words <laughs> damn it they're different words that together complete the thought sean i promise <laughs> you're gonna to have to get around to whatever that thought is because i still haven't heard it <laughs> it is this attraction to things that seem foreign or exotic uh-huh as if the very fact that they are foreign or exotic or strange in some way to you or whatever you think your dominant culture happens to be wherever you live that that is uh-huh. inherently a better idea which is the opposite of what we're accustomed to talking about with xenophobia and that sort of thing or ethnocentrism for example i think we're good i i think you feel good uh, let me, I want to close on this. I want to close on this. All right. I want to close right here because this is what I meant to close on. This is what I want to close on. You just got to say it. Uh-huh. Yeah. We hear him delivering over decades this wacky shit. Flat Earth, the Aramonic, demonic, uh, anima or whatever it is. And we- Androgenic antlers. <laughs> Manlers. Man antlers. <laughs> mantlers <laughs> and and he's he's making himself out to be this hero who knows the secret knowledge he's he's gonna tell it to you for 11 dollars per chocolate bar i think that in all of this display that he's performatively making he's really just a fucking goover who seeks attention with hardcore manosphere energy all right you feel good are you, are you well play the clip though oh, well it's meant to be played. Yeah, I know. A big part of chocolate is its oil. It's magnesium-rich cacao butter or cocoa butter, which is an which is an incredible sun protector. It's an incredible skin thing. I mean, you could just if like I gotta just give you a hint, bro. I mean, you know, you're <laughs> at that age. Like I wish I could be your age again. But when the when the ladies come after you, instead of using coconut butter, you use cacao butter. Oh. And I'm telling you, the way that that affects a woman's brain compared to a man's brain is a total. Well, as soon as a woman smells it, instantly it's on. The cacao butter. So you put it in your hair. Where are you gonna? Where are you putting? It? So, so what you're doing is, is you're like, you're like, hey, sweetheart, come over here and let me just let me just massage this. This is chocolate oil. Check this out. And you just start rubbing it in. You're like, hey, smell this. Like, check this out. And then you just rub it in. You start rubbing, and you go up here. Then you just keep going. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, Jules, now I feel good. I, I feel like I feel like that's a great way to close on this fucking guy. Thank you for listening to another premium episode of the Wet Wired podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wet Wired Pod. You can find me at Sean Ondas. And you can find me at Julian Hooligan.
back with my good buddy, my good friend, David Avocado Wolf. David, nice to have you join me again. It's one of my favorite interviews. Right on. Thanks so much, Jaren. Good to see you. How are you, bro? Doing good. Doing good. I'm going to be excited to be uh, a speaker at your upcoming event. Tell everybody about what the event is. And I saw somebody in the chat earlier when I was mentioning it. They're like, I don't like that he calls it sheep. So explain why it's black sheep. I think when people hear sheep, they think, you know, people, you know. <laughs> the sheeple. Maybe they're thinking of the sheeple. Yes. I don't know. I, I, we, I think most of us, I mean, you're for sure one of them. I'm one of them. Yeah. We were born into our families and we're like, what's going on here? Like, we're basically the black sheep of our families. So we were thinking of doing a conference where we can get together, talk about survival, sustainability, you know, how to get, get a battery system that really works and is functional with the most basic solar technology. What is the most basic and sustainable solar technology and just on and on. Right. Cascading all the way into gold, silver, and cryptocurrencies. And eventually we came up with the name Black Sheep Summit. And that just kind of stuck. We had a few other names, but that was the one that kind of stuck. And that's the one we went with. And it feels right because when we do these events, everybody in the events of Black Sheep, we're all coming for the same. For sure. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you're covering all the same things that, that you know, people that watch my show are, which is good because people need to uh, start looking at breakaway societies, really. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be this society's ever going to be for us. Uh, they've kind of got a good stranglehold on it. So. Well, let's hear him use some of this. Got a lot of clips here in the conclusion. <laughs> conclusion isn't for clips. I'm sending it home, Sean. Eh, conclusion's for us talking. Which one is it? What is with his fucking name dropping? Africa. <laughs> <laughs> and all of those things he says. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's ever done anything in a cohesive way. We actually, we probably could skip these two clips. Actually, let's just listen to them really quick, but just, I'm probably going to cut these next two clips, but just for goof, let's see if it's worth keeping them. Why, why do you keep saying it's for a goof? That's my favorite phrase. I don't understand the use in the context. Huh? I don't understand its use in the context. And then here's the just I'm just asking questions clip. Yeah, we could probably cut both of these. We already talked about a lot of this stuff too. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, generally, we don't want to bring in new information. These are the closing arguments in a court case. Don't introduce the new gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 